In Chapter 4 of the Screenwriter Survival Guide, I sit down with award-winning director Johnny Santana to discuss all things networking. In this excellent conversation, you'll learn how to entice hundreds of people to work on your films for free, how to use your own skills to land dream writing jobs, and why you should always be willing to work for free no matter what anyone says. Let's face it, Hollywood is a lot, but for many of us, it's the only life we can imagine. I'm Sam Brooks, and my goal with this podcast is to take not-yet screenwriters from their first homesick night in Los Angeles all the way to the red carpet. Welcome to Screenwriter Survival Guide. Hey guys, it's Sam. So before we get started, a little bit of egg on my face. This was the first podcast I'd ever recorded, and I was worried about feedback with the mic, so I may have put in my Bluetooth headphones for this episode. Um, And unfortunately, that caused the mic to disconnect and start recording my audio through my headphones, which the quality is significantly worse. Johnny sounds great. Uh, He had a perfect mic, uh, but for me, it's going to sound a little bit like I'm on an airplane. I cut out a few times. Uh, Sorry, 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 sorry. That's just this episode. It'll occur. Um, Lesson learned. Um, Yeah, but without further ado, on to the episode. Today on Screenwriter Survival Guide, we're talking networking. It's one of the most important soft skills a writer must have, and it's something that has never really come naturally to me. So I needed to call in some serious backup for this episode. And I knew there was only one person who could really provide that backup. One of the greatest networkers I've ever known personally, my good friend, Johnny Santana. Wow. Oh. <laughs> well, man, um, I'm, I'm very honored. Um, first off, thanks for having me on your podcast. Of You're course. a great writer, and people are going to learn a lot from you. So this is fantastic for um, everyone. I, I, I hope to, I hope to uh, illuminate any sort of education for anybody. Perfect. I mean, that's the goal, man. Um, and. Uh... People back home don't know this, but this is actually my first episode I'm recording. It's not going to be the first one that that airs, but it's one of the first ones. And I knew just because I'm such good friends with Johnny that I was hoping that like the nerves and the the it would make a little bit more casual first interview. So if you're looking, if you've just watched uh, listened to episode eight and you're like, whoa, the quality of the the professionalism is way down on this one. That's that's the reason Um, because. I I, uh, I I only want you to interview me if you're incredibly nervous. I yeah. I best. I want you to be <laughs> as nervous as possible for this. Perfect. That's great. All right. Um, so I, I always, or I always, I will always start off by just talking a bit about your journey as a filmmaker. Um, you've known what you wanted to do in this industry since you were four years old. Um, could you walk us through how you discovered your love of film and then kind of how you went about turning that love into a career? Um, yes, I guess uh, I got very lucky in the sense that there's a walking distance movie theater from my house right where I grew up in San Diego, Chula Vista. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I remember, I mean, I, I, I don't know if it's my first memory, maybe just because I've looked back on it so much. 
um, you know, the narrative I tell myself is that it is my first memory. I have no idea. But um, I have a very vivid memory of going to the movie theater that goes for and Spider-Man had just come out and being completely wowed by it, the Tobey Maguire version, which I still think is the best version. I, 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 uh, and, I, and I hold to that um, statement. And I was holding my dad's hand walking out of the theater. And I'm, again, just just wowed. I just saw, you know, a 40-foot screen with, like, this Spider-Man guy running around and shit <laughs> when I'd only ever seen him in drawings. And I asked my dad who makes those uh, movies. And my dad said movie directors. And that's when I said that's what I want to be. And I got also very lucky that I have the most supportive parents in the world. Um that you know they immediately bought me a vhs camera my dad mm-hmm. immediately learned how to edit things on windows movie maker and so uh so he could teach me and and um and so i just started doing little home movies and uh elementary school the teachers again very supportive they would play the films that i would make for all 600 students uh and so like every week class would pause to play that movie and obviously that's going to be a big mm-hmm. ego boost um, and right. from there, just kept making movies, kept making movies. It's all I did, all I thought about. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, now I'm 23 years old, and it's still all I think about. So, like, back in elementary school, I thought I thought those were um, – I was getting the impression that you were doing, like, uh, morning announcements, but they were literally playing your films. For yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so, that's so funny. Mr. <laughs> Mr. Seesaw. Uh, who since had an aneurysm, rest in peace. Um, he and Mr. Shy, uh, another teacher, um, saw noticed that whenever they would give out an essay, I would ask if I could do a video, a short, a short <laughs> film for the for uh, as as my essay, and they would always say yes because you know uh, why shit on a kid's dreams, and I would do it, and and so what they did was they realized that they could merge my film uh, passion with other kids in the class who liked acting, other kids who liked news reporting. And so it was kind of like a mesh of short films, skits, and like uh, and like a small news report in the beginning, like on a green screen, with a shitty green screen. Um, and then uh, I, would, I wouldn't go to lunch or recess with everybody else. I would stay in the class and they bought a computer. Like they, they pooled money from all the teachers to buy a computer and camera equipment so that I could use uh, uh, for it so like it was very supportive teachers um it was it was really incredible and yeah it, uh they would have stories and they would have special effects and they, they were like 15 minutes long each um and um yeah the, the school loved them it was called wow. the daily comet the daily comet That's although well, it was although it was weekly so i mean weekly. so it was yeah. bad naming convention for sure <laughs> yeah you need, yeah. <laughs> you need yeah. to change that title i think yeah should have been called i don't understand the english language comment the annual the annual comment yeah um. yeah the bicentennial comment it started off in sixth grade ended in our graves <laughs> um yeah i think i i think many um people who kind of grew up knowing they wanted to be filmmakers kind of did that like the can i turn an essay into a video oh yeah kind of yeah. question i think i cottoned on to it real late so I kind of was like, oh, I just have to do it. Like, I have to do an essay and I hate yeah. doing movies. And then I was oh, like, yeah. when I was in like, you know, like a junior and in, in, I think as a senior, I was like, wait, I can do like videos. That's like be way cooler. And then like the other thing, I was a total putz because like the teachers, it's less work for them because they watching something is way easier than reading it. Totally. Um, 
so like they they're never gonna say no they're never gonna be like no you can't make a video out of this so yeah so to anyone yeah. who's still in ask I mean, if you I mean, can make this just more I, fun. I, I completely agree i mean and and, and like like, like like teachers are reading mind-numbing essays written by 13 year olds mm -hmm. like rather than you know watching creativity and also it allows them to take a shot of vodka in the class when it's dark while the other kids are watching your thing you know it gives them a few minutes to just relax um i uh Good. Yeah. I, mean, I mean in middle school i i made a a, a music video about the renaissance um and it was themed to Katy perry's firework and it was i videotaped, I videotaped my brother's lips uh moving and i painted his face green and so i i put his lips on a bunch of cats singing about the renaissance to, to Katy Perry's firework and that got an A plus so I mean like like, like I mean this, this stuff was gnarly uh it wasn't necessarily yeah I, yeah I recommend people just do that shit yeah yeah I think that's that's something that's interesting <laughs> it was very weird uh, yeah, yeah and that singular <laughs> vision you're a singular personality yeah <laughs> and then for and then for U.S. history uh, the next year, um, I did a video about the Industrial Revolution, um, but mm -hmm. I green screened all my friends in the Gognam style or, or, or uh, music video, or, or, or no, the, the party rock anthem music video. And so I was just greased. My, my friends were just walking around in the party rock anthem music video um, talking about the Industrial Revolution. And then I, I, I think, yeah, it was. Oh, and, and then we had a section where like we entered a K-pop music video and all of our eyes melted. I made our eyes melt with visual effects. <laughs> It was strange, but hey, I got an A plus on that too. Um, and, like, so when did you actually start like working around in like uh, After Effects and stuff like that, and like doing working on like basic CGI? When oh, was so that? That was probably that was, that was well in fifth grade. I did a green screen for the first time, and and I did like like gun. I mean, when you're uh, when when you're coming up as a uh, as a as a filmmaker. Uh, your stuff is very derivative at first, obviously. And because YouTube was such a big thing or is such a big thing, at least it, I mean, it's, it's not a thing anymore, right? Uh, it was such a big thing. Um, when I was growing up, the stuff that was popular was like, you know, like little action scenes. And so um, I was creating very derivative, uh, you know, like machine gun effects and explosions and cloning yourself of a green screen, like in, in sixth grade. Uh, in middle school, I really went on a deep dive uh, with After Effects and the CGI, and it's all I did. So I got very good at doing visual effects. At least, I mean, very good comparatively to most middle schoolers who don't understand what right. visual effects are. I mean, obviously, there's people right. uh, nowadays that, well, yeah, you, we've all seen Lord of the Rings, um, and uh, yeah. So around then, nice. That's that's crazy. Um, all right, so we should probably get into the actual topic of this episode at some point. Uh, I'm sure. Uh, us talking about making video essays is very fascinating to everyone. But um, the so you so like I said up top, uh, you're kind of I think one of the the craziest networkers. Sometimes it seems like it comes very naturally to you, um, and that's something I want to you know ask about at some point. But uh, what I want to start with is you made your first feature film um, when you were 19 years old. Uh, and you had a hundred plus people work on that film with you. That's right. Yes, that's that's the first feature film that anyone will ever see at, at nineteen. The the first one that no one will ever see, I did at at sixteen, seventeen, and that was only like ten people. But that one's crap. That one's gotcha. Ass. 
Um, is that is that the one I've seen? That's I don't want to share the title. Yes, yes, it is. Oh my god, yeah. I, can't, I, I can't believe you saw that, and we're still I, like, you know what, Johnny? I'll write a screenplay. So like, work with you. You're a writer. You're you're a good director. I cannot believe you saw that and still could look at me in the face. Yeah, I mean yeah, that, that was, was better than my high school movies for sure. Yeah, oh god, I mean, I mean, it played at a cool theater, and and I I got all of the teachers to give extra credit to the students that yeah. went and so it was packed oh, nice. the screening was packed um and, and and that's and you know because the screening was packed that's when all of the actually artsy kids and not the kids i was forcing to eat my films asked me to if they could be in a movie and thus yeah and thus the one you mentioned earlier at 19 the empty iris thus mm-hmm. that one happened if 100 people um uh, that sorry I, I keep throwing you off maybe it's because uh, i'm a raging uh, uh electronic storm of of uh of poop i don't know where you were going with that but i feel like that wasn't the direction you meant you know my famous catchphrase the raging electronic storm of poop it's 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 i say it all the time what are you talking about <laughs> so so when you then went back in in 20 uh uh was it 19 20 2020, 2018 to do the empty iris. Um, mm, 2017. You, yeah. Or 2017. Gotcha. Um, did you, uh, was it mostly, did you have to ask people to be in it or was it mostly, did you just already have like a uh, sweeping, like, like swath of people who had like uh, said they wanted to be in it from so, the laptop? Um, so it always start like at least the, the movies that I made pre being organized uh were always always start off of just like one or two actors so mm-hmm. um th- uh there a friend of mine who i met at like a christian camp like when we were 14 came to the screening of fruit juice the first one and, and he was the first person i was like i will do anything to act in your first movie and so it was just him and then uh, bethel and mm-hmm. we were just experimenting with ideas and um, and so it was just three people. But uh, to answer your question in a much clearer way, no, I, three people were on board. But then I had to convince the later hundred people over the course of the eight nine months that it took to make to hop on board. So so it it, it did involve networking skills or social skills or bartering skills that um, I would have to learn by creating the movie for sure. So can you go a little bit more into like what that actually looked like convince people? Because I think there's a lot of uh, high schoolers and kind of young filmmakers that I know what, when I was making movies, I was had like crippling social anxiety that would have stopped me from like telling anyone that I made movies, let alone like asking them mm. to be a part of them. So I was just like my siblings and then my siblings friends because there was less like pressure for me to like, ha- like I didn't really care what my siblings friends thought of me, um, yes. like would ask them to be in it. Um, so how do you go about like amassing the, how do you actually go about doing the networking, like getting, um, mm. convincing yeah, people to. That makes sense. Do you want me to answer it as in how you go about getting the general skills or do you want me to answer it as if like there's a high school out there that wants to make the first movie and give them specifics on that? Well, I want to hear your story. Just like okay. uh, how okay. were the, 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 um, the methods you went about, uh, getting these people when you were in this, this, um, this position. So let's see here. The The first thing I would say is that I also had crippling social anxiety up until I was 16, 17, up until I made 
the first movie that would that shall not be named i was incredibly nervous i couldn't look people in the eyes um uh the first resource that helped out with that was actually making something um i got a lot of confidence from the fact that i made something and it played at a at a, at, a, at a theater you don't have to play at a theater per se but the fact that i had a screening and i made something gave me a lot of confidence because people because uh, it showed me that people were very supportive and 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 uh no matter what one of the i think basic values that human beings celebrate is someone chasing their dreams and mm-hmm. i realized that uh, if i was ever nervous socially there was no reason to be because my mission was to chase my dreams and most people like people that chase their dreams mm-hmm. so um that kind of gave me confidence and melted away some nervousness. And then also I just started actually researching social skills. Like, uh, I'm sure, I'm sure, I mean, uh, to anybody that hasn't heard of the very popular YouTube channel or book, um, should look into it. Charisma on command. I, uh, after I, I read that stuff and, and watched those videos for a few months and I was a completely different person on the other end. And it's cool because I'm actually friends now with, with Ben and, and Charlie who run it, which is a full, um so like yeah i was gonna mention that talk about like insane networking you went from like watching their videos like in your bedroom to like being friends with them <laughs> yeah well i hope they call me friends um i i call them friends um yeah yeah we're, yeah for sure. it's always the most awkward you're like oh is the other <laughs> we've can gone, i say that or do i sound like i'm like mujin i don't know <laughs> we, we, we've gone surfing a few times and hung out and yeah, you know okay. talk, so yeah um uh but um uh, but yeah, so I, I would say like the first step is actually research social skills and, and leadership skills. Like there's there's so many books and online videos on how to do it. Um, the the biggest myth you can tell yourself is that you're just shy and going to be shy forever. Um, I mm. was like I was the most shy. I was the shyest person you could ever think of. Um, mm. And after only a year of really trying hard not to be, um, I, I I officially clicked over to being someone who loves human interaction. Like now I feel. Uh, more uncomfortable if I'm not talking to somebody than if there's silence. A lot of, sometimes people feel uncomfortable bringing up a conversation. Now I, I get that same uncomfortability, but it's magnified when I don't bring something up. So, mm-hmm. um, so like, so it's totally trainable. This not being shy. That's the first thing I'll say. And then to give you specifics on my story and how I did it. Um, uh, one thing I, uh, I, I always tell people is um, that when you're in school, every school has a drama department. Um, and, and uh, and every school has a, a kid with a rich dad who buys them cameras, and so like and 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 so you should make friends with the drama department and all the actors there because the kids are in the drama mm-hmm. department because they want to be actors. That that's not a hard ask to make. And and uh, if you align yourself with people who also want to do um, what you do professionally, uh, then you're building a, a team of people you don't have to be nervous about because everybody wants to learn mm-hmm. and grow. Um, am I, uh, am I making myself clear here? Have I steered? Yeah, no, absolutely. That's that's all great. Um, I think, yeah, I think that what you were saying earlier, um, I think about just like going out and making something like actually just like going out and making something and just to kind of prove to yourself that you can, I think that is so important. And it's not just for people in school, because I think most of most of our audience here is not in school. Most of our audience is just moving out to LA and just starting, um, starting out in the industry. And I think the um, uh, it's still so applicable, I think until kind of until 2020, until COVID hit, I was very much in the camp of I'm just going to write scripts, 
and then mm. uh, you know eventually give them to someone who's going to give them to an agent and get him an agent and that put me definitely in the back seat i think of um just kind of waiting for things to happen uh it wasn't like until kind of the pandemic started and i was like wait there's all of these like out of work actors now not there's always out of work actors that's the thing i didn't know at the time but like um i was like ever no one's got any projects going on everyone wants to do stuff um and if they can do that if i can come up with a way to to harness their talent remotely um and make projects remotely um then i can actually like do stuff uh and that was also a nice way in because i was like i don't actually have to talk to anyone <laughs> like it was the nice like kind of like getting my feet wet and actually like making shit mm, and yeah. uh i think it's just that that kind of thing has been just so helpful um just like just actually get, going out and making something because it tells you that you can and especially each project i aim to get a little bit more ambitious than the one before it oh yeah that's that's not works, crazy yeah. more but just like a little bit more because that proves that a thing and then quickly like you look back and like the, the project we did together asymptomatic that was like the idea that i could have done that myself with like i think you know the, the, uh, um uh narcissistically i think the production value is like not amazing but it's pretty good on that um yeah. and right. i think like uh, the idea that i could have done that less than a year before i like i was just like waiting for for people to read my script um it's just crazy and i think that's like a big thing you can do to give yourself self-confidence for sure yes um, and also you know talking about tangible networking skills um uh having being a person that is, that is always doing something is something that people love uh, uh, mm -hmm. in new social interactions and meeting new people. Uh, mm. pe people people love meeting people that are busy working on on something tangible that they can see. Mm -hmm. um, like like just just imagine imagine someone comes up to you at a party um, and you're talking to them and there's two scenarios. Uh, you're talking to them and, and and one scenario is they say yeah right right now I've got a few things in the works but I'm kind of waiting for a few people to get back to me on this versus mm -hmm. you you meet somebody who's energized because he's working on a project that's taking all of his time right now mm -hmm. and you ask him what are you doing he's like oh dude it's great we just shot this thing last last week and uh and it's going so well next week we're doing this and we've got this really cool thing um and uh and just just the way your energy comes off when you're actually making something versus waiting around is completely different too and mm -hmm. so when you're socially interacting with people and networking and social situations like doing stuff actually doing stuff um mm -hmm tangibly affects whether people want to see you again it's strange also um when you are actually making things you are putting yourself in a situation where you're going to be meeting new people more right like if, if you're waiting around uh writing uh, writing things that just are waiting for opportunities uh you're, you meet one new person a week maybe at the grocery store but mm -hmm. for example when i was making the empty iris when i was 18 um i i, I was meeting 20 people a week different people like talented people because mm -hmm. i would at a party or if a friend talk about a movie I was making and this shot that I needed to get, and then they would bring up, mm -hmm. oh, I've got this great band that likes to write music for movies. I take huh. a meeting with the band, and then now the band are like, oh, I've got this guy. So like when you're actually working on something, um, mm -hmm. you exponentially meet way more people. And because of that, your network gets bigger and the chances that you meet yeah. people are gonna help you uh, get much larger. So actually doing things is pragmatically, mm -hmm. um, is all, uh, better for networking. It's also, um, uh, representatively as in like how you present yourself better for networking and it's also better for networking in the sense that you get more confidence so like it's doing things uh, has so many uh, so much real world value to expanding your network yeah for sure i think uh, i went to kind of the first in-person networking event post covid um last week or last a few days ago 
Uh, it was definitely, there was a marked difference between like the people I'd walk up to who like would, and we'd talk and they'd be like, oh yeah, I'm, uh, I'm looking to get a PA job. Um, yeah, I'm just looking, and I'd be like, okay, next, bye. Like yeah. not interested yeah. in talking, like, okay, that person is not like, isn't like hustling. That person is just exactly. like in the backseat versus yeah. like the person I go up to is like, oh yeah, like I just, I'm writing to short films i'm producing this thing that that just got mm. um it's getting produced with no budget but like i'm like i don't care that there's no budget because you're doing something yeah. and when people do stuff like our mutual friend um jeremy mary he actually told me um with the podcast he has an excellent podcast called backstage careers quick plug definitely go listen to it yes um he, he interviewed me he, he interviewed me for that and he never released the interview i just want to yeah well, I, I, I just i just want to bring that up in case jeremy hears this um yeah <laughs> and thus this interview will never be released either it's because i start no, getting really weird towards the end of the interviews you, you it's just, I'm, I'm, we're gonna be talking to jeremy next week and be like yeah but he kept bringing up electric poop storms and i was just like <laughs> I, I, I couldn't have that on my podcast yeah i'll be like i was less discerning <laughs> yeah it's like i need the content um, jeremy <laughs> but he said that he actually brought up and kind of inspired me to do this podcast um by saying like um the biggest thing he's done to network is like having a podcast because it allows to ask. So he's mm. going out, he's not like, Hey, can I buy you a coffee or something? He's not like, Hey, can you tell me how to be as successful as you are? That's no, nothing. Like, mm. it's still like, I've done that and it's fine. Like I met my roommate that way, but like, it's not like the best way. Whereas if you can go out being like, Hey, I have this podcast. I have X many listeners. Um, can you come, uh, would you want to be on and I'll give you exposure um, and then you can be on the podcast and we'll talk and you talk for 45 minutes for an hour and then you have that connection now. And, but the actual, like getting your foot in the door is you're much more likely to get a positive response from someone if you're like offering them something in return. Oh, um, totally. Totally. Yeah. Also, also, um, uh, people want to be involved with moving trains they want to hop on moving mm -hmm. trains mm -hmm. and if you, and if and if you actually have things going on and you're, and you're doing things um not only can you represent yourself as a moving train by how you speak about yourself but also like mm -hmm. you you literally psychologically and physiologically feel like a different person like it's it's mm -hmm. it's, 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 it's it doesn't link to your to your body chemistry when you have things going on mm -hmm. and you speak to people yeah um and, and it yeah. makes you more attractive socially mm-hmm I, I couldn't agree more um so let's actually kind of i want to kind of talk about another kind of aspect of like offering someone something um and not just coming with your uh your hands open that's not the saying but people understand what i'm saying um yes. uh so you and i met working for tom billu um who runs a motivational media company called impact theory um he was the former founder of quest nutrition um super charismatic guy he definitely like got me into this kind of like hustle space um but I kind of got my job randomly there. Like it was like a friend put in a resume and I, I like, never heard of the company. And I went and, like, it was amazing accident that it did happen because like it changed the way I saw the world, but you went a different way and you got your job there by very specifically making <laughs> some yes, yes. like offers. I, I, to crawled, them. And could you... I crawled through their plumbing and I showed up. <laughs> in the bathtub nope okay i'll stop don't um, sell yourself short johnny you had a really you i, I want people to hear what you did because i think uh, it's 
a lot of people will like shy away from it in 2021, but I think it's like definitely uh, like the way to get to get noticed in places. Can yeah. You what you did? So I yeah I I, uh, I believe I was I think I was 19. I had just finished uh, the empty iris and mm-hmm. I uh, decided not to go to college because making movies takes too much time. And so mm-hmm. I was trying to figure out what my next project was going to be. Um, and, uh, YouTube probably the algorithm understood that I was someone who was very motivated and fed me a few videos. And I, and I saw Tom on YouTube and I saw a random in, uh, interview, uh, that he did. And, uh, he mentioned that he wants to, that he has, a, a, that he has massive wealth and that he wants to start a movie studio. And I was like, Oh shit, there's this guy who has not started a movie studio yet, but you've all heard those stories of people who get in, you know, right before something major happens and, and it makes their lives way better. Right. Um, and so um, I immediately saw that he was going to be speaking in Anaheim at a, at a convention. And I thought, well, if you want to start a movie studio, I could, I could just drive up, you know, try to find him at the convention and uh, introduce myself and, and see if I could, you know, be his director for his movie studio. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I bought the tickets. I, 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 a part of me went um i don't want to go because the tickets are going to be sold out but i didn't listen to that part of me and the tickets were not sold out because this was like right this was like the last day of the convention um and so i went up there i found him and i uh, essentially just tried to leave a really good impression i told him you know i pitched myself to him told him my story of how the news that was for i also luckily at that time had worked with a, a pretty uh, big person in the motivational space before him and so when i dropped uh his name um he suddenly took me way seriously um uh, jarek robbins very nice guy in san diego who i who saw my previous movie um and so uh tom told me to uh, talk to lisa or at least email her and then lisa essentially said oh well hey if uh if you can to have a phone call for me and obviously on the phone call i presented myself well, at least I tried to. And then she said, well, why don't you come on by and film something uh, for us? And if it comes out mm-hmm. good, then you can have the job. And so I went over there again, tried to leave a good impression. I filmed something, um, almost burned the house down. Just kidding. Um, and then <laughs> and then I sent it to them a week later and then they offered me a, a full-time position. That's sick. I think that, you know, and I think that is the most important thing you can do offer to do free shit. And like I said before, like, I think there's a lot of people right now that will turn their noses up at that because there's definitely a feeling right now in not, not only Hollywood and in, in this industry, but in the, the world in general, that uh, you shouldn't, that that is um, exploitative, that, that yeah. they feel like the if whole, they're asked to do work without, yeah. without payment, it's exploitation. The whole and like, fuck is, capitalism, man, like capitalism's already yeah. taking so much from me anyways. Like I'm not going to right. get it. And I, yeah, I mean, I, I don't, this doesn't need to become a political podcast, not going to share my views on and the whole thing as a, as a whole. But I think just from a, from the standpoint of just, it is, it is more beneficial to you, whether or not it is bad, like whether yeah. or not you think it's bad that someone with a lot of power and a lot of money asks you to do something for free, you can think that's bad. You can think Jeff Bezos is a bad person. I don't care if you think that. That's great for you. But if someone like, has the potential to open doors for you, 
Like if you provide something to them out of your own volition, whether or not you think it's like bad that you have to do that, that will like not 10 times out of 10, that will provide a better um, outcome for you than if you just say, no, I got to wait to get paid. They're not going to pay me. Yeah. Like people not wanting to do internships or feeling they're being exploited for staying late or having to do like other crappy jobs. Like if you have to like sweep the floor or something like that's not my job. Um, It's just that that is the fastest way to nowhere. (laughs) It's, it's, it's also like, I mean, like how bad do you want it? Like, like it's like mm-hmm. it's, it's like do you not want it bad enough to sweep a floor like it's it's right. it's, it's it's like uh there's so many people that i mean it's a competitive industry right i mean anywhere it, it, like this competitive like i mean uh yeah it's like how bad do you want it if, if you don't want it bad enough to edit something mm-hmm. for free for a week then you and you don't want it bad enough yeah. period and you're not gonna get there ever like it's like it's like you yeah. have to like you have to be willing to sacrifice also is it really a sacrifice when you're spending time with a guy who in five years created a billion dollar company mm-hmm. and you might, you might hear a sentence or two from his mouth, you know, like once a week that right. literally affects how your brain works and puts you in a better place. Mm-hmm. It's like, I mean, if anything, they're doing you a favor for letting you be yeah. in your social circle, uh, in my opinion. Yeah. Exactly. I totally agree. I think like, and look, I think there's a different way people need to look at it. And it's like, instead of looking at it as this big societal issue that, you know, people with money exploit people without money and assistants shouldn't have to work for scraps in order to become writers. They should just, you know, get it for free, basically. Like, instead of thinking of it that way, think of it this way. Someone is always outworking you. There is no way to stop that. It doesn't matter how hard you work. There is always someone working harder than you at the thing you want to do. And that can really fucking scare you. And sometimes it does scare me that there's always someone doing that. Or you can think, okay, how do I work a little harder, get a little bit close to this person? Because they're always out there. And oh, yeah. I tell you, that person is going to sweep the floor. That person is going to say, sure, I'll fly out to LA um, or I'll drive up to LA and I will film this video for you for free and edit it and I'll spend my hours doing it. And it's yours. You can use it. And if you want to go make a million dollars off of it and I don't never see it again, that's fine. Like it's yeah. yours. I'm giving it to you. And yeah. that I think is, is the thing people just don't want to do right now. And it's so, it, it's, it's, it's only hurting you. It's wow. only hurting you if you yeah. won't do that. Those people, I mean, I, I'm, I mean, I'm going to, here's my hot take. Those people that don't want to do that are idiots. I don't get it. Mm. Um, I, Cause I, I didn't know there were that many out there, but the way you're talking about it, it, it feels like there must be a lot. Um, uh, I mean, like, look, at the end of the day, if, 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 if you do something for free for someone, um, and it doesn't work out, you know, in that situation, you always get a resume uh, and you can always say, hey, I worked with a Steven Spielberg as a janitor. But, you know, right. I, mean, I, I mean, like, I mean, like you, you still get to put the resume. You still yeah. get that. Um, also, yeah, like, I get to put on my resume forever that I've worked with Ridley Scott. Now, when yeah. I say Ridley Scott, I mean, I made him coffee. Yeah, exactly. And, but but, but I've, that, that, I've worked that, with Ridley Scott. That, and, and, and it does carry social weight regardless, because. For example, like when I was of Tom, the only reason Tom gave me Lisa's email, which Lisa, the very nice wife of Tom who runs the company as well, um, was because I mentioned that I had done a few videos for Jarek Robbins. And like, and even if I had just mentioned that I had gotten Jarek coffee, uh, mm-hmm. th- just the name recognition, Tom would have been like, oh, okay, this guy's not just a crazy guy. Like he's got some, mm-hmm. like, it's, it's like, uh, even that works, but, but also, um, uh, uh what the fuck was i gonna say shit 
Um, yeah, I mean, okay. uh, oh, 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 here's what I was going to say. Um, you mentioned uh, someone who's always outworking you. Mm-hmm. Like the, the way I see it is, yes, there's always people that are working harder than you. Um, but um, the thing that you have that someone who's working harder than you might not is, is a strategic and, and skillful shortcuts. Like, like, mm-hmm. uh, like, and this, this idea of getting plugged into somebody's social circle who, of power that, that you can add value to. Um, that's a very strategic shortcut and, and it can cut mm-hmm. years and years of writing screenplays of someone who's potentially outworking you. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's, it, it's playing it smart. Um, trying. I mean, if, if you read the biographies, anybody that was ever successful, like, I mean, I'm pretty sure Rockefeller when he was a little boy would sneak into the cafeteria of a very, of, of a very uh, wealthy country club or a very wealthy club of some kind fact check me mm-hmm. on this uh, jamie pull that up um, and, and uh um and he would mop floors for them like 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 like, like uh, i'm pretty sure all of the yeah. people that that did this that did ca that you know started caa or or any of those mm-hmm. big management company firms i'm pretty sure if you look at their biographies they stayed on the weekends and did this for mm-hmm. the boss like it, it is a yeah. it is a pattern um yeah uh, of, and it's like not it's it's only exploitative if you say it's if you feel like it's exploitative. It's only exploitative if that's how you come at it. If yeah, you come at it with like, this is working for me, not for you. It is, or it can work for you too. It's working for both of us. Then it's, no one's being exploited. Yeah, doing it. it's it's yeah. also very educational too. Like like uh, just mm-hmm. look at look at it as an education. Um, and then also like, obviously we're not saying just mop floors for five years and that's all right. you do. Like at the same time yeah. you have to be doing your own thing. When I, when I was working for Tom. I was I, I was driving down to San Diego Friday nights, late at night. I was shooting a movie, my my next feature that I would mm-hmm. do on the weekends. And then Monday morning, I drive back up and, and work at Impact Theory for Tom. Like it, it's like yeah. uh, it's like I, I was adding value, but also mm-hmm. like I was busting my ass on a project I was doing at the same mm-hmm. time. And it, the combination of both, I think, is very important. Don't just expect you know to, to move I, up yeah. by doing coffee. And I want to be clear that like there is a point. Like I've spoken to you about people you know um that i've been like i feel like they're it might be reaching a point of of where they're you're never going to get what you need out of this person um like it does happen i think i was wrong on that case but i do think there is a point you do have to be careful you know if you've been there for you know five years there's well there's there's two ways to look at it right so i had a friend who worked uh with me at one of the companies i've worked at um who just never got promoted um who always kind of um kind of got stuck in this role and I kind of out, outranked them soon. And I just, I felt bad for this person. And I was kind of like, why are they staying at this company? Um, but at the same time, I think there's another way you have to look at it. You have to, if at a certain point um, you're not moving up and they're not giving you the things you need, if there's, you have to, the problem is like people want it to happen after like a month. And it's not going to happen after a month. But if you've been there years and years and years and you're just like, there's no way this is ever going to work for me. I do think there's a point where you have to step away, where you have to be like, you can't get, uh, you, you have to know, you have to kind of have that instinct that when, you're vo- when, when there's a voice in your mind that tells you over and over again, okay, this isn't working for me, um, that you are willing to, to leave and find something else. Yeah. But I do think there's another aspect of it where I think there's a lot of people like this friend of mine who worked at this company um actually like put themselves forward for other stuff so they were still they were working hard they were really good at what they did but they never put themselves forward they were never showing their writing they were never um 
like going out for for uh, promotion. Yeah. And I think yeah, you have yeah. to kind of look at it in both ways. Like, yes, don't get exploited, but also make sure you're really doing your best. And if you're just half-assing it at the company being like, I'm going to just do all the shit work, but I'm not actually going to try and like advance myself. Like, I'm not going to try to like have just make small talk with the executives here. I'm not going to try to like, you know, eventually get someone to read my script. You know, not, you know, again, not after a month, after like years and after you have a relationship with them. But um but yeah, I think it's it's important to look at it like don't get exploited, but also don't um just don't like put yourself on hold. Yeah. Um yeah. Here's there's a very important distinction um with working for someone doing free shit, um and what you're and what I think like the, like the end goal is this. Um when you're a powerful person, uh Every, every single person, including powerful people, have social circles. And when you're a powerful person or just a normal person, the closer you get to somebody's social circle, the more you care about them and the more you care about their success. If, mm-hmm. if, you're, work, if you're working for, for a company or working for someone or giving free value, and your number one priority besides giving them value is not trying to figure out a way to get into their social circle and for them to care about you, then you're doing it wrong. Like, like it's like, 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 like you need to also um be very uh and i and i, I and it's, it's strange talking about it because it sounds very machiavellian and i promise it's with mm-hmm. the best intentions but 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 you also have to be at the same time um your north star when you're working for these people and and and, and giving them value is you need to get them to care about your success like like that mm-hmm. is like that's the north star because right. um j- just because you get them good coffee you know and you get promoted doesn't mean that they are going to send you mm-hmm. to the powerful person that can get it made like 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 the ultimate right. goal is they need to care about your success. Like th- their dreams need to align when your dreams come true. And the way you do that is by um, becoming a friend, is by, uh, is, is, is by having intimate conversations, by showing them mm-hmm. that you care, and by actually uh, you know, letting them know about your, how talented you are and of your mm-hmm. past talents, whether it's doing it um, you know, through the grapevine, by, you know, by, by making friends of their friends or the people that are close to them and, and letting them know mm-hmm. about you, or whether it's by doing it subtly in a conversation, like yeah, I just came back from the film shoot. We had thirty people on set, you know, like. But 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 you, right. your goal is to implant yourself into the social circle uh, of the per- person of power. It's not just to to make them think you're a hard worker. It's to get them to care about you and want you to succeed. Like that that's the main difference, and that's what people probably um, mm-hmm. don't get about it. Just because you work very hard for someone doesn't mean that you're, they're going to give you the keys to the kingdom. You, right. have to get, you have to get them to care about you and and, and that's mm-hmm. a whole other thing wow that's uh that's probably the big takeaway from this episode i think get them to care about you the screenwriter survival guide is brought to you by getmeanagent.com this is a different sort of ad no money is exchanging hands here why Because Get Me an Agent is my company. Whoa. For less than $20 a month, Get Me an Agent is the fast pass to hundreds of Hollywood-lit agents and their contact information. Plus 24-7 support from actual industry professionals via live chat and email, free email templates to help you reach out, and so much more. Want personalized help? Send us your script and we'll match you with five agents and five managers who've worked on similar projects to yours. I'm super excited to be offering listeners of Screenwriter Survival Guide a very special deal. 
you'll get one free month plus half off your subscription forever when you use the discount code SURVIVE at checkout. That's S-U-R-V-I-V-E. Now, I'm going to level with you. As of recording, I don't personally have representation. I say this to clarify that Get Me an Agent is by no means a panacea. As anyone who works in the industry will tell you, there are no shortcuts to the hard work of becoming an excellent writer and building your Hollywood network. What Get Me an Agent provides is a way to connect young screenwriters with their most important connection in the business, their reps. And we've already connected many of our customers with agents. So try it out risk-free today. Visit getmeanagent.com and try a free month with no commitment. And when you're ready to take the leap, use the discount code SURVIVE to get half off your plan forever. All right, guys. Now, back to the show. So I think that's probably a great place to begin to wrap up. I've taken enough of your time. Um, so before I ask my final question, where can people find you online? And I'll add a caveat about this since we're talking about networking. What is one surefire way to get a response from you? Um, and likewise, what is one surefire way to make sure you will never respond to them? <laughs> okay, so if, so if people, people want to reach out to me? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, well, yeah. A, a surefire way is if you email me a list of five high net worth people that care about uh, gay stories or Latino stories. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. If, if, if they do that, you know, but right now, uh, I don't know if you've told your podcast this yet, but Sam, I, I don't know either. <laughs> Sam and I um, are working on getting a screenplay that we wrote over the past year and a half funded. Um, we have it all storyboarded. We have it. Uh, you know, we, what, we're like we're like forty drafts in by now. Um, we okay. have the the business plan laid out. Like like we're ready to we got, we have a budget. We're ready to start uh, making it. Um, so now we're in the process of at least we're going to start getting into the process of raising money for it. So if anybody mm-hmm. out there uh, wants to help us out and witness a film production firsthand by being on set, um, please let me know about people that you know that would want to fund it. Um, that's a great way to reach out to me, and you could mm-hmm. you could find me. Through my web, I think my website has my email. It's Johnny Santana Movies dot com. There's no H in Johnny. Um, I'm down on social media now. I'm, I'm planning on becoming a ghost on social media. I'm planning on oh, deleting wow. everything. Yeah, that's great. That's yeah. good. Yeah, right. I, I don't want to. I don't want to be a filmmaker with a social presence. Um, I'm, I'm actually thinking oh. of wearing a mask. You know, like like you know, to all the all the events whenever the movies get made. I'm thinking of like Wait, not I can't having tell you're being ever. serious. You mean you mean serious? Oh yeah, yeah. I'm being serious. I'm being serious. Huh? That's yeah. interesting. Going yeah. full Shia LaBeouf. Yes, but but I would <laughs> I would I would describe it more as a Lady Gaga performance art without knowing Lady okay. Gaga. A very more Sia. Like it's not going to be like like a it's not going to be like a battle on fame by wearing a paper bag. Uh-huh. It's, it's going to be more of like I don't want people to know who I am, um, and thus maybe a byproduct which is not what the byproduct that I necessarily did it for is a mystery and attention. But the main reason is I, um, I think, I think everybody knows that now having a recognizable face is not at all beneficial to your life whatsoever. Um, it, gets, <laughs> it gets you in trouble, as well as um, it, it, it prevents you from leading a normalcy. And, I, mm-hmm. and so I, I'm gonna, I'm planning 
as these films get made to really keep everything private and yeah maybe even wearing masks at public events is something that i might consider doing yeah um interesting yeah that's that's, that's a completely on another topic um but uh but yeah you can email me all right um okay so my final question um i like to call this my screenwriting survival tip uh, what is the number one thing you tell a young screenwriter or a director listening to this uh, to do in order to not only survive, but thrive in this industry? Um, well, like, I mean, yeah, it's very on, on topic of very on brand on the topic of this conversation, but um, studying social skills and being fluent socially in any sort of situation is literally a superpower. Um, like, uh, mm-hmm. uh, and, and I'm borrowing that from, from Ben and Charlie at Grisman Command. Like, like you can be the most talented person in the world and have zero social skills and, and, and you will not survive in an industry that, that mm-hmm. thrives on, on, on social interaction. Like, it, it's like, like you, you need to learn how to get people to want to be around you and to help serve your vision. And, 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 mm-hmm. uh, and these social skills uh, have to be able to translate amongst all levels of power. Um, mm-hmm. uh, that's honestly the most important thing. Honestly, if, if, you, if, you, if you ask yourself why so many shitty movies get made, like my theory is that shitty movies are getting made by people that are very good at social skills, but are not huh. good at making movies. Like, like that's, I mean, huh. if, you, if you really think about it, like these very charismatic directors and, and people who, who get jobs and attention, I mean, it could be nepotism, but nepotism could also, is also not only fueled by he's my brother or he's my cousin. Mm-hmm. Nepotism is also fueled by, I just like having him in the office versus the other guy. Like it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's um, and so I think a lot of people that are making shitty movies now are just very good at social skills, but are not good at making movies. So um, mm-hmm. you need to be very good at making movies, but also like, I mean, you're not gonna get in the door unless you have some, you know, unless you have a great agent that, you know, agents usually are the conduit to the social skills, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they're usually great right. and, and they do it. But, but if, if you can do it for yourself, then mm-hmm. uh, it helps you out a yeah. lot more. I would say learn that. Cause I think an agent, like I, I have to say, I think an agent's a little bit like a doctor. Like a doctor is there to facilitate your health, but at the end of the day, you're responsible for your own health. Yeah. And the same way an agent is responsible is like, is a conduit for getting you scripts for getting your scripts in the door at studios and production companies. But you are responsible for your own career. Yes. What what I'll say is this, I am not successful whatsoever at all. I don't think I have not achieved really anything. So take my word for, Untrue, untrue. You know, take you know to take take my word uh, lightly. Maybe if you listen to this, you know, five years from now, and then and maybe my word my, my word will have more weight to it for sure. But um, I would not be or have anywhere anything that I have, granted, not much, but or have done if it wasn't for me deciding to learn social skills when I was seventeen and sixteen. Like mm-hmm. if, if if I had not done that, I would have been a shy kid. They would have kept using his friends and his movies. I would have never ventured out and talked to powerful people. Um, and when I say powerful people, I, I say it with love and, and, and good intent, by the way. A lot of people feel mm-hmm. networking is sleazy and sneaky. But mm-hmm. what, you, what you have to look at networking as is, is you think the world will be a better place if your stuff gets out there. And you think you'll make the person's life better if you're in it. Mm-hmm. Like, like that's what networking, that's how you have to believe networking. Mm-hmm. And I honestly believe it. It's not like I'm going to try to manipulate someone to do this. No, it's. I think their life will be better because I'm a cool person of good art and they'll mm-hmm. be involved as well as the world needs to see this. So, so I need to make friends with people that can help get this art out there. That's how I see it. Um, mm-hmm. 
and, uh, and, and yeah, if, if I had not learned or been confident in any of that, I would uh, not be on this, this uh, prestigious podcast today. So, <laughs> so, 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 yeah, I would, that, that's what I would say. Just literally, I mean, read the books, man. Uh, there's a lot of books out there. Learn how to do it. Well, Johnny, this has been excellent. You did not need to worry about being a good uh, podcast uh, guest. This has been fantastic. I think there's so much brilliant stuff in here. I think, you know, to take everything away, to take, if you're going to take one thing away from this, I think you have to convince uh, other people to care about you. And uh, yeah, that's good. That's, that's that good. That's all good. of it really comes down to that. You have to somehow, whether that is, and it comes more naturally to some people, that is definitely true. But Johnny here is living proof. Like when I met him, I could, like, you could tell me he was like naturally not socially like a savant and I would not believe you. Like he is such an outgoing, outspoken. He talks with everyone. Um, so friendly. Um, one thing we didn't even get a chance to discuss today, which is I think important as well. Like he is like every time he is in, like he meets someone, he's trying to, to help them. And every time he's introducing people, he's trying to put other people's connections together. So like I, I've yeah. had um, scripts options because Johnny introduced me to a friend and the friend who actually we, uh, Axel, who was I think last week, that I can't remember the schedule at this point off the top of my head. But um, uh, but yeah, these it, it is just the the ability to connect other people together and say, what can I do for this person um, to make them care about me uh, is just a totally invaluable skill. And it is something anyone can develop, even though it may seem like uh, you can't. All right, guys. Uh, Keep writing. I need a better outro for that. <laughs> Keep writing. All right. Hey, guys. Before we go, I have a quick ask. If you found anything on this show valuable, I would really appreciate it if you would go to Apple Podcasts, go to Stitcher, go to wherever you listen, and give us a quick rate and review. It doesn't have to be anything long. It doesn't have to be anything super in-depth. But that is just the best way to help grow this community. If you think other screenwriters would benefit from hearing this, a rate and review is the best way to make sure our podcast is seen by as many screenwriters as possible. Thank you guys so much. And until next time, don't just survive, thrive. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you like what you heard, don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your podcasts. If you have questions about this episode, you can reach out on Twitter or Instagram. We're at SSGpod. And I'm on Instagram at Sam Brooks Presents. And don't forget to tune in next time to the Screenwriter Survival Guide. <laughs>